Welcome to Laughter, Dirt and Education, a podcast recognising and celebrating our rural and remote educators. From teachers, principals, teacher aides and gubbies, they share their real and inspiring stories of educating our bush kids. Come along each week for the often crazy and inspiring stories of education and see why these amazing educators do what they do. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This week I have been able to catch up with Meg Irvine who is a Tasmanian teacher and the very first Tasmanian teacher I've had on the podcast which is very, very exciting. I loved hearing her journey, where she wants her career to take her and it was really fantastic to, I guess, hear about how the Tasmanian school system works as well. Before I go on though and get stuck into the episode, I just want to let you all know you may have noticed lately the episodes have been a little bit sporadic that is because I'm really struggling to find people to come on the podcast so if you know someone or yourself are either a past or present rural or remote educator please reach out if you'd like to be on the podcast obviously without your contributions there is no podcast so please contact me can have a chat I can tell you how it all runs And yeah, would really love to hear from some of you guys. Anyway, I hope you're having a wonderful week. And here is Meg's story. Meg, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on here today because you're actually my first Tasmanian teacher. So that's a little bit exciting. And I can't say I really know anyone from Tasmania anyway. So welcome. I'm so happy you had decided to join today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and very excited to hear that I'm the first Tasmanian on the podcast. Yes, I think I mentioned to you a while back, like when we first connected, I guess rural, remote Tasmania is very, very different to the mainland. But I think it's still, I was only talking to my mum about the other day, I'm sure as we're discussing stuff, like there'll be so many similarities um, in because of our location, even though you're in a small little island down there so yeah I was just thinking the same before um I was just thinking before when you think about to rural rural, remote Tasmania um and I think a lot of people just the classifications and how they're different um it might surprise people but it is because Tasmania is just so small yes yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I guess, like, did you grow up in Tasmania and did you do your schooling there, university? Tell us a little about, I guess, yourself before you became a teacher. No, I didn't grow up in Tassie. I grew up everywhere. I was mm-hmm. a nomad. We moved a lot, which was a blessing and a curse at the time. Um, but I was born in Western Australia and within a year moved to South Australia where my little sister was born. We started school there. I went to two different schools there, but in year two, I moved to Victoria, did a couple of years there, moved to the Northern Territory, finished year four, five, six, and started high school there, and then moved to Tassie partway through year seven. So I just started high school in Tassie, remote Tasmania. And then I took a gap year. I worked over in England at a school so that I could travel Europe and went to uni. I started uni in Adelaide because I was dead set on becoming a lawyer. Wow. <laughs> and every day I woke up, I went, I don't, I, I think I want to teach. Like, I think I want to teach. Um, so I left law school 
and moved back to Tassie for a temporary move. And that was six years ago and I'm still here. (laughs) I started my degree in teaching here. I finished it here and I got a job here. So I'm still here. Yeah. So can we go back for a second? Sorry, because my internet cut out for a little bit there. But when you moved to Tassie, I got that bit when you're in you did your high school there. Were you like in a major town in Tassie or in a small country town? When I was in high school, my school was based in a major town. Like I was in Launceston Mm -hmm. in the north, but my parents were on the west coast, which Mm -hmm. it was about a three, three and a half hour drive away from Launceston. So we went to boarding school. We saw them most weekends, um, not every weekend, and then while I was at uni, I was based in Launceston still mm-hmm. um, to get my degree done. This is really naive of me, but obviously do you find there are a lot of boarding schools in Tassie? Because like I assume not having been there, like I'm guessing the Western coastline kind of thing is quite rugged and is what you would classify as remote. Do you find a lot of kids go to boarding school? Because I guess up in Queensland, I guess the mainland, like, for kids out west, that is so common. What's it like down there? I think I'm just trying to think about how many boarding schools Tassie has in total. So Launceston, which is the north of Tassie's biggest town, only has two. Mm-hmm. And Hobart has four-ish. I'm okay. going to say heavy emphasis on the ish. Yeah. Um, and then I know that there are a couple of colleges because Tasmania does year 11 and 12 and calls it college Mm -hmm. um a couple of colleges like along the northwest coast that have it's not boarding school but it's boarding facilities I guess for kids that are 17 and 18 and it's just that little bit too far for them to travel every day but none of the boarding schools in Tassie are huge Mm -hmm. I've been to some schools on the mainland as part of like school trips and whatever, where they had hundreds of boarders, like seven, 800 kids mm. in big houses or multiple houses. But the boarding school I went to, we had like 80 kids. We were all in the one house. It was co-ed, which again, apparently is like really unusual. We're one of the last boarding schools left that has boys and girls in the same house. Wow. Um, and I think the bulk of the boarding students from probably in all of Tassie, are farming kids, most of them. And kids would board if they lived an hour away. They would board if they lived three hours away. Some of them were interstate. Some, like a handful, were international. But Mm -hmm. um, most definitely came from, like, farming backgrounds. Yeah. And you mentioned, like, the year 11 and 12 thing, it's classified as college down there. So that completely blows my mind are they separate campuses to like high school or a lot of the time yes it's it's something I still wrap my head around Mm. because I'm not Tasmanian I still don't classify myself as Tasmanian but when people say oh I'm going to college they mean year 11 and 12 and so we do have separate colleges here so mm-hmm. wait high school and then they move off to college at a completely different school wow. so mine was all done one school right through to like I mean I started there in year seven but finished year 12 there but if you went to public schools and things like that yeah oh it's yeah. just yeah I know I say it so often but like that's the first time I've heard of that and it just yeah it 
honestly blows my mind how different we are still to this day. I know when it's all the one country, I don't understand it either sometimes. Definitely. So like you said, you obviously went back to the mainland after your gap year and decided to study law and it wasn't for you. Do you think you always deep down want to become a teacher? Like what ended up inspiring you to change your degree to be a teacher? I never considered teaching growing up at all. Um, I do remember people would say that, oh, I'd be a really good teacher and things like that, but I never considered it. And when I was, I always wanted a gap year, like from what I remember from when I was about six years old saying, I'm having a gap year, I'm going travelling. And originally I was thinking maybe I'll be an au pair, I'll go and do something like that overseas so that I have the job but the ability to see more of the world. Mm. And when it came down to it, the easiest, or not the easiest, but I looked at a few options and a couple of um, companies came up and one of them was Tudors Worldwide. So I applied through them and they, if you're successful, they place you in a school and you work basically as a TA or whatever the school mm-hmm. needs. Yeah. So I was successful and they put me in a school in England and I worked there and I remember partway through the year going, oh, my goodness, like I love this job, but I could never be a teacher. Um, <laughs> and by the end of the year I was so, so close to walking into the admin office and saying, don't worry about finding a gappy for next year. I'll stay. Just don't fill in my position. I'll do it. <laughs> wow. And I thought, no, if you stay, you'll never go home. Yeah. And you'll never start a degree. And so I thought like it was pretty much the only thing was I need to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my visa was going to run out and everything anyway, but I came home because I forced myself to. Otherwise, I'd probably still be over there. Um, yeah. And that, yeah, that whole year just that whole year just made me think, actually, I yeah, I think I want to teach. So here we are. That's amazing. Like that one small thing in your life that you say yes to and, yeah, definitely it can change your life. I just, yeah, incredible. So did you, when you did your uni, did you do like your pracs all in Launceston or did you go to little towns? What did that look like for you? Uh, I, I didn't know. I didn't stay in Launceston um I did my first one my mum was working in a remote Aboriginal community in the Northern Territory as a ranger coordinator Mm -hmm. and she was like oh you know could you do your prep up here like could you come and visit and do a prep up here so I said well I don't know I'll ask the uni and the uni said yeah like if you want to organize it and the school's keen for you to go go so I went and I took a friend with me who also needed to do her first prac. So our first prac was six weeks, three and a half hours out of Alice Springs in a bilingual school. And it was incredible. Like, yeah, I loved it. It was such a wild experience. I learned so much from it. And again, didn't want to go home after it. And then my second prac was in a farming town in Tassie which just to put it in context is like 15 minutes outside of Launceston. Yeah. It's not, it's not rural or remote or anything like that, but it's still a little farming school. 
Um, and that was that was lovely. That was great. I learned heaps there. And then for my third and final prac, I opted to go into the rural pool where yep. you can say, yeah, I'd like to go a little bit further afield, but in Tassie. Um, and so I went down to the West Coast for mm-hmm. that one. So that was about a four hour drive from where I was living at the time. So yeah, did a bit kind of, yeah, kind of did a few different things for cracks. No, I think that's fantastic. And obviously like you finish your uni and did you stay in Launceston then or did you decide, decide to venture out for your first teaching job? Well, I applied for, um, I didn't know it at the time, but it was permanency. I just thought it was applying for like jobs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, but it was permanent jobs and I didn't really understand how all of that worked. So that was quite a rigorous process with lots of like interviews and an assessment day and everything. And, and the basic premise of it was they had about 80 positions around the state to fill in hard to staff schools. So mm-hmm. hard to staff because of what the school is like or because of where it is. Yeah. And um, I was successful through that and that's how I got my position here. So I had my position at this school before I graduated. Um, mm-hmm. Like they'd locked me in for a permanent position in the department but in a rural slash remote setting. Yeah. So That's fantastic to have that as soon as you go out because I think, yeah, that's just incredible. I know some people who after a few years still don't have a permanent position. And obviously I don't know how Tasmania's education department work, but, yeah, that's fantastic. So had you been to this town before you said yes? Like was it a bit of a say yes, think later situation? Or <laughs> um, It was a say yes, think later. I um, had heard a lot about the town, not all good things. Yeah. Um, and quite a lot of the people that I went to boarding school with came from this area of Tasmania, mm-hmm. not necessarily the town, but this part. And it was really funny. So the department pretty much said, if you're successful and we tell you what school you're successful at, you've got 24 hours to accept it. If you don't accept it, don't expect another job. Yeah. So I had said to myself, like, I'm used to moving around. I'm totally okay with that. I'm going to say yes to the job. Like, yeah, I'm, I want, ultimately I'd like a job. Um, I don't really care where I'm living. And I got the call while I was on prep at my third school and my teacher, the teacher, like, I don't think, I think it was a staff day and he was like, go and take the call, go and take the call. And um, I ran out and I said, hello. And they were like, hi, we want to let you know that you're successful and this is the school. And I kind of went, oh, great, okay. (laughs) Um, And later, or it was the next day, I think, I was actually driving to this town for the first time ever, like in my living memory of being here. And I was spending a long weekend here with someone that was on prac up here. So I kind of drove up the next day and I was driving around going, oh, my God gosh, this is where I'm going to be living next year. And um, it was all a bit surreal because I just thought, how funny is it that I've never been and within 24 or 48 hours I've been offered a job here and I'm visiting for the first time. Yeah, that's incredible. So can you tell us a little, like, is it a farming town? I guess what's like the main driver behind the town, I guess? Certainly a large contingency of factories, forestry and fishing. Oh, wow. Yeah, all of the air. 
Yeah. 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 And obviously it's a smaller town. What are the facilities like? Because you said you're a four-hour drive from Launceston. Are you close to shops? Yeah. I'm about three hours from Launceston now. Mm -hmm. Um, And this would be the largest town for a while. Yeah. Um, And we're about an hour away from like Bernie, which would be one of like one of the, they call it a city in Tasmania. Mm -hmm. It's not a city. Um, So we're pretty well facilitated here. We've got a Woolworths. We have, there's an indoor pool, which we use, you know, for learn to swim at school. There's um, multiple football clubs. There's hockey. Um, there's a couple of gyms there's heaps of churches there's mm-hmm. yeah it's actually it's a pretty well you know it's it's kind of got all of the basics that you need but yeah. then if you wanted anything like Bunnings or Kmart or a real restaurant or anything like that like you're heading an hour or an hour and a half up the coast you started out at the school what grades have you been teaching for the past few years uh, for my first two years, I taught three, four, mm-hmm. and this year I've been moved up to five, six. So it's, I've kind of followed like my first class oh, up. Yeah. 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 So it's, that, it's, it's kind of nice. To, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be and, seeing like my first class head off to high school at the end of this year. Yes. And how did you feel like, what, did you really like have a preference finishing uni like were you interested in the higher grades or you it didn't bother you I didn't have a firm preference and I'd said that pretty much the whole way through my degree like Mm -hmm. I don't want to lock myself into anything because that's I guess closing myself off to opportunities yeah and whatnot and I did over my pracs like a prep class, a four five and a five six so I had a little bit of the range yeah um and then in my work as like a TA, because I worked in a T- as a TA during uni, I covered pretty much all the other grades. So I was pretty much happy anywhere. But this school did give me the option of three, four or five, six. And I initially said, oh, I don't care. Um, wherever is fine. And then I sat down and I thought about it and I just went, mm, like, I like the three, four curriculum a lot. Um, yeah. All of that sort of stuff. So I chose, I called them back and I was like, actually, can I have three, four, please? And it's worked out really well. But obviously, yeah, moved up to five, six for this year. Who knows what next year will bring. But yeah. It's exciting. And I think that's really great that you had to think about it and went, oh, okay, I know, I think, because as a first-year teacher, it is so overwhelming. And I know every teacher listening will totally agree. Like, you do feel like you're jumping in the deep end. So if you can have some familiarity, I guess, to start off with, it does help a lot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, but I just thought that age group might be a little bit more pleasant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just you know, like their three fours are kind of they're a little they're more independent than early childhood, but they're not too big for their boots yet. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. still quite so. innocent in some ways compared to when they yeah. get a little bit older. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And how have you found the jump? Obviously, you would know a lot of the kids this year because you've taught them, but how have you found the jump going into that different curriculum? It's been interesting. I think 
I think it was one of my kids asked me not too long ago, like, oh, do you prefer three, four or five, six? And I said, oh, that's a really tricky question to answer. And I think it is because I've taught three quarters of them in the last two years. And I was just like, it kind of feels the same. We're just in a bigger classroom and you guys are a little bit bigger. Yeah. But the curriculum I'm finding great too like I feel like I'll always find things in different year level curriculums that I love yes Um, Mm. and it is that once again it's that next step of being that little bit more independent um, and having those little bit more mature conversations and I've been like so lucky my classes over the last three years have been known for being really curious and questioners and we facilitate a lot of those really deep and rich conversations which is fantastic and so it's nice to do that with like a little bit of an older year group that yeah most of them have had me before so they kind of know what they can and what they can talk about and how we can like foster that I suppose yeah and you've obviously had multi-level like multi-grade classes your whole teaching career is that normal like in your school is that how they have structured it or have you just been lucky to be given that no it's it's the done thing here for the Mm -hmm. most part other than kinder we only have one other straight grade Um, class in our school but the rest are all uh, composite classes but then I would say that I'm lucky because there are other schools in this year in this area sorry that are teaching like a three four five six Mm -hmm. and a kinder prep one two and things like that so ours are just the two grades for the moment but yeah there are a lot of other smaller schools that that like two classes you've got them all yes yeah and are you the only five six teacher at the moment or do you have are there other five six classes we have other five six classes for the first time I think ever they've made three five six classes this year um so we have really small classes yep the premise behind that was we're separating behavior pretty yes. much so yeah which is yeah. very common I think. yeah yeah it was a it was an admin choice late last year to go this is going to be tricky let's just make it three instead of two yeah which is nice because otherwise mm. we would have been looking at like the 30 per class mark anyway wow but um yeah yeah that yeah so that's getting pretty big <laughs> yeah 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 incredible so do you think you like obviously you're permanent and like I said I don't know how it works down there but because you're permanent are you expected to say stay a certain number of years at your school before you can move on yes yeah so Tassie in the public system has four levels of schools so we've Mm -hmm. got like a b c and d your a-level schools are your green leafy schools close to Launceston or Hobart yeah, probably also close to Bernie and Devonport. B level schools are also close to those large towns, but are um, schools just with notoriously a little bit more difficult. Yeah, and then C level schools are further out, so your rural, regional, and then D level are your remote. So, mm-hmm. um. And your eligible service changes depending on where you are. So for me, four years is what's expected yeah. of eligible service before I can apply for a transfer 
to leave. And it's pretty much a given that if I do four years here or, you know, anyone that does their four years here, um, if they apply for a transfer, they'll be pretty high on the priority list for yeah. an area. Intensely that, like, those years increase the closer you are to a big town. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, that's probably, I know that's very similar to Queensland, so I can make, I guess I make the assumption that's a very uh, common way it runs statewide, uh, Australia-wide, I should say. Do you think... Yeah. Can you see yourself, like obviously you've moved so much as a kid and you still chose to start off your teaching career in Tassie. Can you see yourself teaching elsewhere? Yeah. yeah. My dream is to go back to the Northern Territory mm-hmm. and I I have a particular school in mind but yep. I shouldn't lock myself into that. But ideally I'd like to go to a bilingual school, a two-way school. I grew up for a short while in um Nolanboy in East Arnhem Land so yeah, like it wow. was remote northern territory so like I would love to go back there I would love to go back there and I do think about it on and off like oh would I finish my four years here and then go for a year or so or you know and take long service leave or whatever um I'd also love to and this I'll put on the back burner for now with everything happening in the world. But I would love to go and teach like in a Scandinavian country because I just think that they they just do it right over there. Like yes, schooling and education and everything is yeah. incredible. So I love everything that they stand for over there. But there's more to the world and to schools than Tasmania. And as much as I can experience, I'd love to one day ultimately. Like, yeah. Yeah. You don't grow in your comfort zone. So oh, I completely agree. So can you tell us, because I guess I know in Queensland something that is really pushed for rural and remote schools is like we have internet issues, obviously, because we just dropped out. So totally say that happens all the time. And I guess another thing that I'm noticing, especially probably since COVID times, is trying to get supply teachers. Do you find the same problems down there? Yeah, 100%. Um we have issues with technology like like nothing else. Um, yeah. And it is one of the things that I feel, I guess, most sorry for for these kids. Like they just don't have the resources that kids in big towns do and it's yeah. just like a given in big towns. So like for us during COVID, everyone went online learning and we were like, oh, that's not a possibility. We can't do that. We can't guarantee that kids have devices at home, that if they have devices that they have internet and yeah. that they or their parents are computer literate to enough to navigate that. So we made individual paper packs for every student and then went and delivered them. And, yeah, it's the same for relief teachers. Like we have one relief teacher who's already contracted to us every day of the week for specialist lessons Mm. and we can't we can't get relief teachers in the area um so it is really a case of relying on what our school has like the staff that are already there so our principal is often on class um Mm -hmm. we don't even have a support teacher at the moment but we used to and she was always on class and then 
pre-COVID and COVID rules this year when we could kind of mix between year levels, it was split classes yeah. um, and just kind of sticking kids where you could. Um, we just don't have, it sounds like Queensland, like we just don't yeah. have relief. Yeah. And, yeah, I was going to say, do you think that's a Tasmanian-wide thing in those areas? I think it would be for these areas for sure. Mm. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. I mean, from when I was a TA and a lot closer to Launceston, like they could always find a relief teacher, always. In the school that I worked in, like I never knew the principal to go on class if they needed relief. I never knew the AST to go on class if they needed relief. Um, I know now a lot of things have changed since COVID and I know that there are shortages with staff kind of everywhere. Yeah. and they really said that at the start of this year, like the Department of Education said to all Tasmanian schools, like, you're going to be short staff, you know, mm. get as many relief teachers as you can because everyone's going to get COVID, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, help us then. Like, yes. <laughs> we, yeah. we live far away, too far that anyone from a major town can travel to do relief. Yeah in those one or two days yeah definitely yeah I think it's definitely it's not an uncommon mm. scenario yeah so I guess before we wrap up I obviously connected with you on Instagram can you tell us a little bit about the Instagram page you have uh, I created it uh, I think it's before I started teaching so it was mm-hmm. in my final year of uni and I just thought oh this could be like a cool way to document what I'm doing for like my own sake. Um, yeah. I have a notoriously poor memory, but also I thought potentially it would help for when I have to do my full teacher registration portfolio and stuff like that. If I kind of document what um, I'm getting up to and whatnot. And I really, you, I used it very sporadically throughout mm. my whole first year mm. um, and my whole second year. And then it kind of started gaining a little bit of traction I just really enjoy I just really enjoy like using and seeing other teachers ideas and what they're doing with their day and also like you get a lot of validation almost from other teachers and it's that whole I guess there's been the big debate about teachergram and like having the perfectly curated classroom Mm. and everything being aesthetically pleasing and all of that but I think that I follow the right kind of people and so I see everything else you know you see the like the people who are being honest and going no actually like if you need that day off you have that day off or here's my unfiltered Friday or you know all of like all of the ins and outs of teaching and teacher life and I just think it's such a I think it's such a great resource for getting that little bit of motivation getting some inspiration for what you want to do in your classroom potentially or connecting Mm. with teachers and going oh that's a really great idea like can I use some of that and finding some really great resources so I see it as a huge positive I just love scrolling through and seeing what people are up to I agree like I find I really use especially this year I guess as a govy for art projects I love being able to quickly Friday afternoon I have no idea what we're doing because let's be honest like sometimes (laughs) you don't plan to a T and you have to make it up And, yeah, I think sometimes just being able to have that and, like you said, though, choosing who you follow 
that keep it real as well because you can, it is easy to get down when you go, oh, my gosh, like this classroom is beautiful and I look at mine and it's a mess right now. So, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. being conscious of who you follow. So we can obviously find you at learning to underscore teach if anyone wants to go and find Meg. But thank you so much for jumping on. I have had such a great chat with you. I really enjoyed it and I guess it has probably opened my eyes a little bit more to Tassie and how the system works down there as well. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it as well. And I hope, I know you're on holidays at the moment, it's nearly ending, so I hope your term two is wonderful for you. Yes, thank you so much. Yours too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Laughter, Dirt and Education podcast. I can't wait to bring you a new story from rural and remote educators each week. Make sure you are subscribed to your favourite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram to keep up to date. Until next week, thank you.